Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Welcome to episode 20 of the Synergetic Culture podcast, where we are picking up part two of our eight-part series called Eight Soft Skills That Will Change the Way You Lead. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. If you're joining us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you're listening, hopefully at some point this will go up on YouTube and you can actually watch the interaction between me and the guests that I have today. Uh, but regardless, I'm super thankful for um, the support and the love and the, everybody that's um, uh, following along. Uh, this has been an awesome series so far and we've gotten a lot of great feedback. I'm excited to continue the conversation because hard skills are easy to track, easy to uh, put metrics around and reports and, and to, to measure it's soft skills that are intangibles, but they're the things that set people apart that take you from good to great. And so today we're going to talk about a very specific area of uh, focus with regards to soft skills. Before I introduce that topic, though, I want to introduce my guest. So one of my really good friends that I've known for going on seven years now is Mark Burns. Mark uh, and I ran into each other at an event, and the first thing I ever said to Mark when I saw him was, bro nice haircut. Where do you get your haircut? And to this day, I still see your old barber, which is hilarious. But um, Mark, I'll, I'll continue to introduce your story, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time today to record with me and, and join our show. Hey, Adam, your hair's looking great. It's <laughs> totally good. It's totally good. But uh, no, I am so uh, grateful to be here on the podcast. This is, this is great. I love what you're doing, um, especially the stuff that you're doing right now with this eight-part a series about soft skills. I think it's really important. And um, I'm just blessed to be here on the, on the cast with you. Well, dude, thank you so much. Um, you know, you and I have been talking for a while, actually, since, since I started the podcast about doing an episode together and I'm due for a trip to uh, Nashville to visit you. And I, I've kind of been trying to hold out on everybody so we could do it in person. But I think you and I just resolved in, in our hearts and minds just a few minutes ago that there will be a part two eventually I'm coming to, to Nashville, yes, because you, and you can share more, but just had a baby not too long ago, so, um, well, your wife had a baby, but. Um, yeah, I, di I didn't, yeah. I didn't uh, have one. Yes, um, <laughs> thanks for clarifying that, um, but uh, yeah, and, and so then I can come up and we can do one in person, and by then, those who listen to the show will already be well acquainted um, with you, but a little bit about um, Mark, he is, his entire life has been devoted to um, the skill and the art of martial arts, specifically Taekwondo. Um, and Mark is a seventh degree master black belt Taekwondo instructor. Is that the correct way of introducing it? And why don't you tell us what you are? <laughs> senior, a seventh degree black belt, senior master senior uh, instructor. Senior master instructor. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And uh, so his whole life has been devoted to um, uh, uh, martial arts, uh, leading people. Um, I've actually gotten to watch him teach and lead classes with little ones at, you know, age four and five, all the way up to 40 and 50 year olds. And um, the way that he's led his life has been super impactful on me and has helped a lot of um, our friendship over the last six, seven years. So um, I'm super excited and grateful um, to, to talk to him about a couple of things, but here's the focus of the episode. Hey, um, don't forget you took some of those classes, you know, I did. I did. I was going to wait to say, I was going to wait to say something, but you're right. I did. I did. Um, I did go and take kickboxing for, it feels like a good minute. I mean, we, I yeah, can't it was probably, almost a year and a half. Yeah. I was going to say Maybe pretty, pretty regularly, good. at least once a week. I know it was twice a yeah. week. Wow. Good times. Um, <laughs> I still have videos of you. Oh my gosh. Actually, In my archives, you, you should send me one. I'll put it up on the, um, on the stories later this week after okay. the episode comes okay. out, I'll, I'll put an episode yeah. for anybody that's proof. listening, hold me accountable, send me a message and say, we need to see proof of, but make it a good <laughs> video. I know I have some good ones in there. So please, make I think it it's some knees. You're doing some knees or something. So okay. that's, that's a good one for you okay. for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, but man, uh, such good times. Um, and there's so much that was going on in life around that period. And I think we'll get to that, um, here shortly. Yeah. Um, but today we want to focus on, in part two, uh, the soft skill of discipline. Um, and you know, Mark, you're perfect to talk about this with because, um, I've, I've watched your, your life, you know, whether it be very close where we were hanging out <laughs> multiple times a week for a good, a good part of a, a couple of years. And then, um, you've moved and, you know, life has happened and now you're married with a child and, I've got my son and and so uh, life has happened and we don't see each other as frequently, but just watching the way you lead your life and the way that you lead others, um, discipline is such a foundational piece of who you are. So I'm excited for you to talk about it with us. Um, I do want to kind of get our listeners a little bit more acquainted to you though. Um, so yeah, would you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, like where you're, where you grew up, where you're from, um, and just kind of tell us a little bit about the, the story of, of Mark Burns and kind of how you, you got into the world of martial arts and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, I mean, I started, you know, when I was really young, uh, just with like family members and things like that back in, uh, Elkhart, Indiana, to where I'm originally from. Um, my mom's Filipino, my dad's, uh, white American. And, um, we had friends in the neighborhood or family friends that did martial arts and they just got me kind of involved with that when I was really, really young, probably about four or five, didn't go anywhere. And then my mom always worked at Chinese restaurants. And then from there, uh, a Taekwondo school opened up in the basement of the Chinese restaurant she was working at. And she was like, I'm going to sign you up for regular commercial type classes. I think you should go. And I was nine at that time. And so that was back in the 1900s. That was like 1989. I know a lot of our listeners might be, you know, <laughs> not, not, maybe not born in the I was about to say, I wasn't, I wasn't born in 89. <laughs> so that's, that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah. So if anybody wants to know, I am 43 years old. I am old. <laughs> but it's the Philippines. It's my Asian gene. I was about to say, if you're listening young, to this, young. I think everybody that just listened to this just went to their phone and looked at the photo of the, the, the artwork for this episode and went, there's no way this dude is 43. Yeah, this is the best looking 43 year old you'll ever see, but continue. Sorry. But uh, yeah, so I started Taekwondo uh, down in the basement of this, this Chinese restaurant. And I actually, from the first day, 
Um, I was like just in awe of the instructor, not for what he could do, but how he was making me feel and what he was able to make me do. Mm. And so by the time I tested for like my first belt, which is about eight weeks later from when I started, I just was about to receive my belt and I just looked up at him and he is about ready to say my name. And just that moment in time, I looked at him and I just knew at that moment, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. I want to be him and not wow. him as a martial artist, but him as the person that's making me feel the way that I feel. So it was emotional connection as opposed to an all kind of connection. Like, Oh, he's so awesome. He's a fourth degree black belt, such and such. Yeah. And so from that point on, it just became, you know, my desire and my dream, my goal to have my own martial arts school. And then by the time I was 20, I, I did, I had my own martial arts school, my first martial arts school in Michigan. Um, and then from there years later, I moved down to Georgia and it was, uh, roughly, uh, spent about 10 years there in Georgia. And that's probably around the end, like my last few years I was in Georgia is when I met you and then just recently moved to Nashville to open up, um, the third school that we have been a part of uh, here in uh, Franklin, just South of of Nashville. So that's kind of my journey. Um, as far as that goes, Yeah. but as far as like my journey and the love of martial arts and doing it, I mean, come on, Ninja Turtles, Karate Kid, all of those things. I wanted to be on TV just like everybody else probably back then. And, um, I just loved it. I loved everything there was to do with martial arts. I, I just was so fascinated about it. And then when I finally got involved with traditional Taekwondo, and then I started competing and I didn't realize I had such a, uh, uh, an appetite for competition. Yeah. Like I love competing, like in sports at school, you know, and, and everything was kind of like team, but like as an individual, uh, it, it was new to me that, that I was just like hungry for competition and yeah. wanted to, to fight and to spar and to do forms and do all this, this fun activity. Was, and then from was, there, what was the thing that, that drew, like what result is what was the thing that pulled you into like that individual competition that made you hungry for it? Like what, what, what did it give you that you kept going back for more? Was it, was it, it was, satisfaction it, recognition? What? I think it was recognition. Yeah. I, I, I would probably say, you know, because those are those three things, right? Recognition, freedom, and money, right? Those are the three things. Well, we definitely don't get money for winning. Right. Yeah. And there is a freedom to be said emotionally being out there on your own and on the stage. Mm. But the recognition came when people started to know my name. So wow. when people started to know my name and, and want to come around the ring and watch me compete, uh, it started to make me feel good. And so there was a battle and we can talk about that later too, but there was a, a battle of confidence, mm. being confident and being overconfident um, yeah, and, and not coming across as, as yeah, as yeah. being uh, having a huge ego and being cocky or arrogant, mm. but being prideful in a proper way. Right. And I didn't understand quite that balance in the very beginning, but later I learned. So that, uh, recognition for sure. But then I think I kept competing because it was a stage, Mm. even though it was a stage and against the competitors, they were the viewers and the three judges. It didn't make me believe that that was the stage, the stage. It felt like everybody that was in there was watching me. And I just, every time I performed or competed, I just felt like that. And so, and that's, that's what kind of kept me going and motivated me through it. And then wow. I just used that as kind of like the pedestal and the stepping stones to get me to where I needed to go to get me to the place I am today. Wow. So I know bits and pieces. I mean, I know a lot of your story just from fishing trips and <laughs> hiking trips and stuff that we've done together in the past, but um, just to kind of hear it laid out that way. Is so interesting to me. What was, um, what were you like in school? Like, 
ed- education wise, did, did you get good grades? Did you have a lot of friends? What was, no. what was Mark? Like? <laughs> uh, I mean, I had friends, I, yeah. mean, I had friends, but I didn't have friends that I had neighborhood friends that I would go and hang out with, but I didn't have like, by the time I hit middle school and high school, I didn't have friends that I was hanging out with every weekend or every day. Mm. I was at Taekwondo every day. Wow. My instructor would pick me up at three right after I go to school and I wouldn't come home till nine. And that was my whole life during high school, except for when I did some of the sports. Um, like when I did football or track or I was a cheerleader lifter because um, I could do toe touch. Did I know that? Jump. Did I know <laughs> I that know you're a cheerleader? Either. Wow. <laughs> I was a cheerleader. It's because I could do, you know, flips and touch my toes. So quick sidebar. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know. I, I You probably don't know this story because I only would have told you if I knew that you were a cheerleader. But shout out to one of my football coaches. Because I played football in in high school and um, was like ranked in the state of Georgia. My friends roll my eyes because this is like my claim to fame right now. <laughs> I was the number one. Is this your peak moment? This is, is this, this your peak well, moment? Well, for my athleticism, yes. I was I was the number 26th defensive end in the state of Georgia in the 2009 okay. football season. So that was like my claim to fame. I'm like, I'm ranked in the state. This is awesome. Um, yeah, man. So I had a coach my senior year, still my favorite coach. Um, and he, uh, he came up to me and he was like, Adam, have you thought about your career after high school? <laughs> and um, for those of you that don't know, like playing defensive end is a lineman. And most defensive ends at the next level in college or past that are well over six feet tall, extremely fast, big dudes, Okay. I'm 5'10", which is short. I was always the shortest lineman. Um, 5'10", I'm not that fast. <laughs> kind of slow um, comparatively to, like, other collegiate athletes. And so in my mind, I just was like, man, this is kind of you, coach. But I looked at him, I was like, no, I'm not I'm not tall enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not fast enough. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I wasn't talking about football. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, well – as you know, I cheered in college and I got a scholarship. I think you would be a phenomenal cheerleader. And I was like, <laughs> and he goes, me, me and my wife were talking. That's how we met. And um, you just have the charisma that a cheerleader needs. And I just like, I grabbed my helmet and I turned around and walked away and just like went back to the drill or whatever it was we were doing. I was like, come on, coach. It was so That's funny. That's got to be like so... That would, yeah, it's got to be hard to hear. You know, that's it. It's got to be hard to hear. I was like, "Are I you mean, kidding me?" Even though I'm a cheerleader, I would be like, "I would." I don't know if I want to hear that from my coach when I'm out here in my pads right now. I I took it well. I I rolled my eyes. I was like, "Forget you, coach," and just like jogged away. I was like, "I'm not gonna go be a cheerleader." But I have thought. I'm like, I still have four years of eligibility. I could always go back and you know yeah, you cheer, cheer at the next level. It's no, I'm almost thirty now, Mark. And I mean, you could have so. been the Hawaiian Rudy. You never know. <laughs> There's that point. Anyways, I'm sorry to derail the conversation here, but yeah, I had <laughs> to, I had to tell you that. Um, so, anyways, you were saying that like in high school, like everything, like you lived and breathed martial arts. Oh you yeah, lived and it was just martial arts. Correct. Yeah, hundred um, percent. What, what? There, there was not. There was not. That was my job. It was everything. Like I, you know, as soon as I could get a work permit, I was teaching classes and, wow. and running classes for my instructor. And before that, I was volunteering all the time. I mean, I every day. That's yeah. all I did was Taekwondo yeah, and, or martial arts, just if we were training on something different that day or that month or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's just always kind of been my fiber, right? That training, that workout, um, and just all the things that come along with that type of 
those type of habits in your daily, you know, sure. daily behaviors. So, sure. And yeah. like today, like we're, we're going to get to discipline and building discipline, but like, did that come easy to you at that age? Like, because you were living and breathing it every day, was it easy to handle your nutrition? Was it easy to commit to the workouts yeah. and stuff like that? hundred percent because it's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you, you're you going to, you want to do <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like you're going to, you're going to expound upon that a little bit here in a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so and, and what's crazy is like, I think about myself at 20 years old and, um, opening up my own martial arts school is not something 20 year old Adam would, would have been able to handle. Um, there's like a business side to this too. And like, you had to be right. prepared to like run a business, like create a return on investment um, create profit, pay your bills, like stuff that the average 20 year old that's like sitting in a dorm room or in an apartment on a college campus, isn't really thinking about. So like what mm -hmm. got you prepared from a business standpoint and just a leadership standpoint to be able to step into those shoes and start a school and make it a success the way that you did. I think a lot of it was my passion at first. Um, yeah. I, 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 what I thought I knew and what I actually knew were two different things. Mm. And my passion is what I thought I knew. And I knew that, and I thought that that could drive me to be successful in my business, my business practices. I mean, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college. Um, I, I went straight from, from high school. Um, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I knew they didn't teach Taekwondo at college. Yeah. So talking with my parents and then this kind of going with me, I didn't have the best of grades either. It's not that like I couldn't have gotten college. I could have, um, I just didn't choose to. Yeah. Um, so I just decided to start teaching and, and doing everything there. And I tried to just pick up all the information from my instructor who, you know, had a very successful school and managed his business very well and taught me a lot of things. Yeah. And there were still a lot of things discipline wise with business that I wasn't very good at. Mm. And I would say that I failed. I failed business-wise with my first school. And I succeeded though as a leader and teaching and creating a product and doing what I love to do. Yeah. Taking what I love to do and turning it into something that I was good at doing by delivering and giving it to other people. Yeah. So there was I finally learned that there were many hats I needed to to wear uh, at 20 years old, I knew that yeah, I'm not going to win this race with just my talent of teaching or my ability to see the things that others can't see mm. when it comes to teaching young kids or adults or teaching martial arts in general. There is a whole nother management side and business side of this that I had no clue I had. And it beat me. If it was an arena, if that was the arena that I had to fight, I lost mm. that round. Um and so, and it took me a good bit to figure it out. And I'm not ashamed to say that my school money-wise or business-wise was not a super success, but student-based wise and having great students and students that still train today, super successful. And I'm always going to have pride and know that I have that retention in students and being able to take what I've given them or, or what I've learned in my journey and given it to them and continue to get to do, um, yeah. you know, that God gives me the, the, the ability to get to do that every day. Um, it is what is the success is for me. Yeah. Um, but now, now that I went through that journey and spent a lot of time down in Atlanta and worked for 
um, the company that I work for now, KA Martial Arts, I totally reimagined myself and and understanding how the management system, the staff training development, and how that all plays a part in this whole big system of running a business and how it should be ran. And so from there, it just helped me grow to not only have another successful school in Atlanta, um, in Johns Creek, but then to move up here and start all over scratch, still part of the company, but do it on my own. Mm-hmm. and be super success, super successful on my own too. Yeah. So one thing, I, it was very difficult. The business part, learning the business yeah. part was a huge curve for me to learn, especially, and I'm not saying it's not because I didn't go to college. It's because I didn't focus on that. Yep. What you focus on is what you get. And I did not focus on my business. Oh, that's a good one right there. What you focus on is what you get. Um, there's another one I heard the other day. It says how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah. Think yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways. Um, So a couple thoughts. One, um, just to uh, encourage you, but also just to share with our listeners, like I, I got to experience the culture that you created within your school environment. Now, like you said, it was towards the tail end of your time in Georgia. I mean, you've been doing this for years and years and years, but getting to like come to the school and hang out. Cause I would often, like I would, if I was in the area, I would pull up and I would just come and chill. And we'd, you and I were doing creative things on the side and, you know, we'd collaborate and put our heads together and, you know, you'd be teaching a class and I'd just come and sit and hang out or I'd hang out with Jonathan or I'd, you know, just, just chill, hang out in the office and sit there and get on my computer and work, but just be around because there was something so magnetic about being in that environment. Like I'm not a martial artist. I never once really, took other than the kickboxing classes, which we're about to get to, but like, I wasn't, this wasn't my niche, my, 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 my place really, but I wanted to be there. I wanted to be around. And that to me, like, you know, when I first started thinking about like, who are the people that I know in my sphere of influence, uh, that have, that have built cultures that are magnetic and exciting and build people and encourage people and, and really um, pull the best out of the people that are involved, you always come to mind um, because of just what I experienced, what I watched. And then getting to take a few classes and, you know, doing doing kickboxing and, and you know, the, the amount of fun that we would have and how, like, painful it was at times. And, like, <laughs> you, you weren't easy. You were not an easy instructor. Um, it really It really did a lot for me. I think it was something that, in the early stages before I knew what synergetic culture was before I knew that I'd be doing this podcast, it was so impactful. Like I, I recognized there's an energy, there's a, a vibe if you want to say, but there's, there's something going on here that I want to be a part of that. I want to be around. So, um, I, I want to ask though, like for somebody that's so competitive, that loves the limelight, that, that, that love to compete and love the stage, and also, like like you said, like when you walked into that arena, even if there were multiple stages, multiple things going on, your brain said, everyone's here to watch me. And, and you rose to that occasion and you performed at such a high level. How was it that you were able to see the blind spot of lacking in the business side of things so that you wouldn't repeat that process or repeat that, that mistake again? Like what, what was it for you that brought that to your attention and you thought, okay, I've got to fix this because I'm crushing it at everything else, but not this right now. Uh, the hard way. Uh, 
So yeah, definitely the hard way. Um, I had no money. Mm. I had all the students and I wasn't making a good living and I was struggling. Yeah. Um, and not only, you know, business wise, the school struggling, but me personally too, you know, that's one income paying my personal life and my business life. And I didn't, it was just a, just a hard, hard lesson Mm. when it came to, to finances. And, uh, that's, that's where that started to, to turn around. Um, and make me be like, I, I, if I couldn't get out of this situation, I need to, I I need to find a way to shift myself to somewhere else. Right. Keep doing what I'm doing, but just shift, just shift. And that's, that's, you know, self-awareness to shift out of the way, Mm. pivot something, pivot somewhere. And that was the the journey. And, and I had people around me that were there to help me in that pivot point. It's good. One of my best friends, uh, Jason Morgan. I mean, there was a huge pivot point where I was, um, and I think you know this, but I was part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 25th anniversary tour um, in my transition from Michigan to to Georgia. Yeah. And if I didn't have him as that pivot point, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. I probably would have quit um, because there was no there was no light at the end of the tunnel as far as getting after I sold my school, as far as starting a new school or doing yeah. anything like that. And by doing that, it opened up opportunities for me to make it to Georgia and to do that. So, um, you know, definitely the accountability and having people around you. If I didn't have people around me or friends um, back then and still today, I would not have made great choices. Um, And as we get deeper into this discipline, it'll come out more. But, you know, the one thing like people always ask me when it comes to being like, you're so you're so straight and narrow, so so professional, so disciplined in Taekwondo, when you do it, why do you have, why do you feel like you see a lack of that in your personal? Um, because I do. And, mm. um, on, on many levels. And I believe it's because I almost created two personalities. It's uh, like I created a, a master Burns or Mr. Burns. And then there were still Mark Burns. Yeah. And I didn't really find myself or those two, two things colliding until I ended up in Georgia. And, and, um, you know, a lot of that does, stem from my, um, re rebonding, um, or recreating my, my relationship with God and, and, wow. and Jesus. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's all part of me and you yeah. uh, meeting together. And, uh, that did not come until those last few years, um, there that I was in Georgia sure. and that plays a huge part into kind of where I'm at now and how I got here and everything. I, I really, Truly believe that uh, um, God and Jesus are the ones that put me here, yeah. put me where I'm at today. So, Amen yeah. to that. I, yeah, um, I, I, I didn't ask you if we could go down this road, so I'm just going to take a leap of faith here. But, go ahead. But, um, you know, you, you kind of already alluded to it. You, you're somebody that is so disciplined, um, but in, in one uh, personality or persona, which was Master Burns, which is what the students call you and everybody in the community calls you because of the title that you've earned. Um, and for a while, there was a Mark Burns that was living and existing, and there was a world that personally was not as disciplined, not as focused, not as successful, not not going in, in you know the direction that you wanted to go. Um, how did you reconcile those two, and how did you... I mean, you already said like your faith, your faith and your reconnection with God is kind of what helped pull you. Um, but like, what was it like to kind of live in that? Because here's, here's my thought process and the reason why I'm asking. 
I think there's a lot of people and I'm, I'm connecting with this and this is resonating with me. Like there are areas of my life. And I know that there are areas of my life that people see that they're like, Oh, Adam, you're just doing great. You're just crushing it. And, and I told you before we hit record, like there are weeks I don't feel great. I don't feel awesome. Like I don't feel like this, this positive, always glass half full type of person. And, um, sometimes I have a hard time reconciling the two, like what, what, (laughs) what everybody sees and what social media presents and what, you know, what, what's, what's going on here, which is, is authentic to a point. But then like when, when it hits the fan and it's just not easy and there's just stuff going on and things feel like they're failing, like, how do you, how do you get yourself out of that? How do you, how do you discipline yourself out of that? Oh man. Well, in the beginning it was, it was a lot of, realizing I wasn't alone because mm. the one thing that I learned by, you know, regaining my relationship with God. And then once I started understanding what Jesus was really all about yeah, and his teachings and what he wanted most from us is that we weren't alone. There are people out there just like me, yeah, just like you. And so once I realized that it gave me a little bit more comfort to be able to let it out. Right. And then the, one of the first things I did when we had inside uh, MP nights yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is I didn't want anybody to know that I did martial arts. I didn't want anybody to know me as the karate master guy Burns. or yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Burns or master Burns. I didn't yeah. want anybody to know that. I just, just my Mark, I'm Mark, I'm Mark, yep. you know, and that was to help. That was like my own therapy. Yeah. Like this was my chance. This is my chance. God gave me this chance to be able to see. And then two weeks later, everybody's calling me master Burns. Everybody's <laughs> calling me. And it was at that moment. I'm like, I can't get, it's not like I can't get away from it. Yeah. It's just, it, that's who you are. You are. Oh, I am the same person. I'm just choosing to separate them because I feel better and more confident about myself in the light of master Burns. And I do as the light of, of Mark. Yeah. And so, because I had this lack of love for myself as Mark, but I truly loved myself as Master Burns, I had to find why I didn't. And so, once I once I kind of uncovered all those, and going through, you know, um, I think IO really helped me, Inside yeah. Out really helped me, and leading yeah. the young guys and in that journey really helped me because I was able to open up and, and and say all these things to them, tell them my story. And them to not look at me any other different way than the way that I look at them. And it was just, I mean, these are high school kids. And I'm like, yeah. it was so, it was so freeing. There was so much freedom that came from that. And when that happened, I, that's when I realized that I actually do love myself. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with my pedigree in martial arts, it has nothing to do with that uniform, the belt or anything like that. And it was in that moment too that my cheat, my teaching changed, how I taught, how yeah. I led, how I did everything. It was no longer about me. Mm. It was all about everybody else. I didn't care about anything else but then just leading others to feel the way I was feeling. Again, I got back to that moment that I said when I looked at my instructor the first time yep. and was like, I want to be you because you make me feel the way that you make me feel. Yeah. Well, that's what Jesus did to me. And so I felt the same way. Do I still battle with stuff? And my personal side, hundred percent. Yeah, but I'm even more powerful now because I know I have Him on my side, and I just have to work through these things slowly. And it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to be your thing. It's an ongoing thing for the rest of my life. 
Wow. And that's part of that discipline that I have to understand when I start to structure things is I can't be so hard on myself when I mess up, right? I have to be accountable to myself and own up to it and be like, you screwed up, stop messing up, fix it. Yep. It's going to happen again. I'm not telling you it's never going to happen because it will happen again because it always does. And so until it less, it gets small, that, that gap gets smaller and smaller, will it go away? Um, and it's just, I just have to be self-aware in that, in that fashion. There. Wow. There's a couple things that are really powerful that you said. Um, uh, you said the turning point was realizing you're not alone. Um, last, mm -hmm. last episode, we talked about empathy and how, yeah. um, realizing that you're not alone can go such a long way and connecting with somebody so that they know they're not alone can go such a long way for, um, for, for healing, for connection, for empathy, but even for moving yourself from I'm stuck in this to I can, I can conquer this or I can, I can get back from this or I can progress forward through this. Um, there's two things that come to mind for me personally, and I don't think I'm going to get emotional, but here we go. So, um, I've talked about my, my battle with anxiety on this podcast. And one of the mm -hmm. things that was so helpful and impactful for me in like the heat of what was going on, like the years that we were hanging out all the time when we first met were the years that my panic attacks were the worst. And there are handful of people that I felt like I could be truly myself and open up to. And, and you were one of them and being able to step into your arena and onto the mat and take these, these kickboxing classes, like what it did for me and my confidence and my ability to cope with this demon that I was fighting this, this battle that I was having internally with, with crippling anxiety meant more to me than I think you'll ever know. And it just felt good to know that I wasn't battling it by myself, even though we didn't talk about it all the time. Right. Just knowing that you knew and you were there to push me and, and encourage me. And, you know, when I would slow down, it was like, I know you can get a few more punches in. I know you can kick harder than that. Like you were pushing me to fight that battle. Um, the second part of this is, um, you know, I've also shared here that uh, 2020 and really 2021, but those two years were brutal for me personally and walking through a divorce and no divorce is easy. Like if there is one out there, call me and tell me because I don't believe there's one single one that is, is easy on a person. Um, Bro, I mean, I did sleep on your couch. How many times? <laughs> I mean, and listeners, I, I mean, and, and I was going through a divorce when I met Adam and finishing a divorce and uh and everything yeah and um so I, I adam i think this conversation i think this is our next podcast yeah i think yeah. this is our part two yeah i think um, so too and i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you a title the the, the wingman we need and that Ooh. we don't know we have yeah yeah because, you know i Top didn't Gun came out we might as well just talk about we it. might as well that's a great <laughs> that's a great one so that we, we're already going to do another one we will we'll talk more about that but i just i just want to say like when when it was my turn to walk through fire, um, there's nothing more lonely and more isolating than walking through something like a divorce. And even though you know it happens, for someone to call you and say, 
hey, bro, you're not alone. I got you. If you need anything, I got you. Like we, we didn't talk every day. It's not like I called you and cried all the time, but just knowing you were there and just a phone call away did so much for me in my, my growth to move out of that rut of feeling stuck. And like, I'm just in the fire. Um, so thank you for that. (laughs) Um, love you, man. Yeah, dude. I love you too. Um, I, I think we should kind of land the plane here and talk about like practical ways that we can discipline the areas of our life that we're not disciplined in. Um, what are, what are some things like you, you've got it down pat in a lot of areas, but you've already, you've already admitted like there, there have been seasons of life where I didn't have it down in certain areas. Um, you've, you've mentioned that like, even now, like being doing, doing community with people and having, having people in your corner that are there to help you and, and, and encourage you through the areas that you're not, you know, perfect at or, or totally dialed in. Um, what are some things that we can do? Like, what are some takeaways that, that I can do (laughs) for the areas that I'm not, not, um, you know, super locked in at? I think when, when discipline, when we talk about discipline and we try to understand that we first have to dissect that you're not talking about discipline in your character. You're talking about discipline in your behavior, Mm, right? Because your behavior, you can change your character. It's very, very hard to change. I mean, it has to go through your behavior first. Once you can fix your behavior, your characteristics, the things that, you know, drive you, your honesty, being more trustworthy, you know, having, you know, those type of things, um, those characteristics will start to change and evolve and, and you'll start to feel the, the positives that come through it. So focusing on the behavior is the number one thing. And the behavior is done by triggers. So there are certain things that trigger you every day. So as soon as the alarm clock off, there's a trigger that happens. What is the trigger? Is the trigger that your phone is your alarm clock? I was just about to so say. That, right. So if that's your phone, you then pick the up first the phone. thing you do is yep. you turn it on and then you flip and then you go to a social media, you do that, right? Yep. So they're already, you're creating those, those habits. Your sure. habits are your discipline, right? And so when it comes to discipline, so how I teach the kids to, to be more disciplined is just being consistent in their life. Um, mm. with the repetitions of the things that we do, right? So if, if you stick to something constantly over and over and over, and it's small things, it's not, it's not trying to do big things all at once, right? Yeah. You just chunk it down one small thing at a time, um, like, like eating that big steak uh, in uh, the great outdoors. That's an 80s movie for, for if you've ever seen oh, it. Oh, I thought you were John criticizing Candy. my Instagram stories because I'm <laughs> no, 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 cooking no, no, big no, steaks no, no. all the time. I was like, <laughs> there's a movie called The Great Outdoors. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's supposed to eat this like 74 ounce steak or 64 ounce steak. And if he finishes all, it's free. And the only way to eat it is not all at once. It's a bite by bite, right? You just, it's the same thing with your discipline, right? Mm. And so for people that maybe feel like I don't have any discipline, I can't do it. I could start something for like a week and then I quit. Yep. Well, life gets in the way and that's why people quit because they don't put priority into the discipline things that they need, right? Sure. We find complacency, complacency and comfort in the things that are just naturally happening to us, yeah. right? Chaos is comfortable to people, which mm. is unfortunate. Yeah. Chaos is comfortable because it always keeps you on your toes and it makes you always think and it takes up time. Sure. Chaos takes out time, right? Yep. So when you don't have time, now you're like, well, what are we going to do? And you get bored. So then you have to fill it, right? And so 
You know, I think you mentioned that one of your soft skills that you talked about is flexibility, I believe, right? We, we've only talked about empathy, but we will be talking about flexibility. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. uh, you know, throwing that segue. <laughs> Cats out the flexibility. bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flexibility obviously gives you more options. Yeah. gives you time. It gives you options, right? Yeah. And so with that, that's how you have to understand your discipline. So sure. let's just simple. Most people want to be disciplined in eating right. Okay. Well, just eat one thing right a day, right? Start off eating one thing right a day. Do something right for yourself the first thing in the morning or later, or however you want to do it. That's it, right? Don't change your whole day. It's not going to last Yep. because your, your habits are so strong. There's no way you're going to break them. And so you, you have can't to break start all with of them small. right at once. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like it, you have to be somebody that already has a high level of discipline to be able to be like cold turkey. Um, fasting for four days, which right? I've seen you do before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and it, it is also to want, right? If I know I have to do something in order to get what I want, then I will be very disciplined. I sure. will cry. I will bleed. I will do whatever I need to do that. And that's just because I've created this over a course of time. I understand what it takes to get certain things. Yep. And so that I treat other things the same way. Mm. So, so like, so, um, I didn't say this earlier, um, just cause I don't like to talk about myself. Um, but you know, when I first won my first world champ title, when I became a world champion for the first time, I, then the next time in order to do that, I thought about what it took to get there. And I knew the discipline and the attitude I needed to have to do that. Yep. It was one of positivity. Then I also started to think about the outcome of it and how I felt during the outcome. And once I could feel that positive, um, that positive, I guess, the memory, the positive memory sure. of the moment, that's, it, it kind of changed my whole physiology too. I started to want to wake up earlier. I started to stand a little bit prouder because that's how I felt in that moment. Yeah. If I could just, and I just kind of started to figure out that if I could put myself in those positive moments in my life, that it would allow me to repeat the same process, whether it was trying to win a world title or if it was trying to lose weight or if it was trying to, you know, save a lot of money. Um, all the little things that people like want to be disciplined at. Um, and how, so that's uh, just kind of how I worked at it. How many, how many world titles did you win? Uh, four. Four. That's insane. That's so cool. Um, My wife has eight. Does she really? She, she's way cooler than I am. You should interview <laughs> her when it comes to fighting. Hey, um, you know what? Yeah. We, I, when I come up there and visit, I'll do one with you and then I'll interview her. That's so cool. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll be like, all right, now tell us the real story about Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, something that I've, I've kind of ascribed to is this idea that, that um, small incremental changes over longer periods of time create the biggest impact. Um, and, and, you know, I use like the course correction, like if you get one degree off and you leave the Harbor, um, it's not really going to make a big difference on like your trajectory right then and there. But if you sail mm -hmm. across the entire ocean, one degree off, you're just going to continue to separate from where you're trying to get the same mm -hmm. goes for where, where you want to be. If you can get one degree better every day, then you're just going to get that much closer to who you want to be to the lifestyle that you want to have. And I think there's a lot to be said. I think there's a reason why professional athletes talk about it, like visualization, like they know what it feels like, or they, they can, they can put themselves in the mindset of executing what they do as a professional athlete, but then 
what it feels like to win. And that's what fuels the action and what they're doing every day. Like I know for me and my, my, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about like, okay, where does this, where does this show up in my life? Um, like not to brag on myself. I know what it feels like to be in like the top 5% of salespeople in a large global company. Right. I, I, I tasted that. I know what it felt like to stand on the stage and go, yeah, I did just crush it. So how do I feel now? Well, I've got to go beat last year or I got to go crush because I know what it feels like and I know how satisfying it is. And it makes me more hungry to sharpen my skills, to get better, to get to the office on time, like to do the things I need to do that are uncomfortable, that suck. So I can get the result that I want. Mm -hmm. um, but you have your why, right? That's your yeah, why. Yeah. Right. And we've, I mean, a lot of people read the, the, the Simon Sink book. I love him. Yeah. You know, what's yeah, your why? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's super important. What is your why? And once you have a why, then the what and the how is pretty simple. Sure. It is, it is fairly simple. And you can segue into other things and, and have the same results. If I could give an analogy of discipline and how everybody has discipline, they just don't realize it. Like, yeah, I would say most people have a routine as soon as they wake up out of bed. If you can have a routine, then when you wake out of bed and it's so easy, you can have a routine for everything else in your life. Yep. You just have to build it the same way. Yep. Make it simplistic, make it minimalistic, and then you will be able to achieve whatever thing you're trying to be disciplined for. Yeah. And you will just become a more disciplined person. But this analogy I use with my kids all the time at the Taekwondo school, because discipline is, is many realms, right? With, sure. with the, when it comes to kids, because you have to deal with your parents and then friends and bullies and, and everything else, school, yeah. work, and, and all, all this. But there is one thing that comes to mind in this. And you don't, when you become an adult, right? And you're on your own, you never, you don't normally have your parents over you anymore, right? So yeah. they're not just hanging over you and you're not going to run to them when you, when you can't figure something out. And so this analogy is the, the, um, a bicycle analogy that comes with the training wheels. Yeah. And so I tell the kids and I would do the same thing with adults. I said, everybody that's in here has ridden a bike. So you all raise your hands. Who knows how to ride a bike? Yep. How many of you have started with training wheels? Every person raise starts with hand. training wheels, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Everybody raise their hands. Okay. When you took your training wheels off, yep. did you ever ask your parents to put them back on when you fell? Probably. Absolutely not. No way. No. No kid has ever asked for training wheels to be put back. <laughs> Maybe on. in like a moment of fear, but like once they're going, I don't even no. know. Yeah. I yeah. Don't even know. Point. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard it. I never said that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there's so much belief coming from the parents. There's so much pride coming from the kids that once you take them off, you almost feel like if I put them back on, I champion. look like a, a yeah. <laughs> I'm not a champion anymore. I'm yeah. a chump now, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so it is the most unlikely thing to happen for you to turn around and go ask your parents to put them back on and any accidents, any problems you have, yeah. you're not going to ask your parents to fix it. You're going to deal with it. Yeah. And then you get back on your bike and you keep riding and you ride and yes. you ride and you ride. Yep. Yep. And so our life is the same way, right? As soon as you accomplish something or you choose to make a choice to do this, don't turn back when it gets tough. You, yep. that you have to push through because if it's not tough, it's not worth it. Mm. Right. If it's not tough, it's not worth it. So, and if you don't, if it's not on your mind, it's not worth it. 
right? Yeah. If you stop thinking about it every day, then obviously you don't need to be doing it because it's not what you want, really, really want. Yeah. It may be a moment thing, but if it's something that's always on your mind and you keep talking about it, you need to find a way to start it. And once you decide to take your training wheels off from it and you feel like you have control of that discipline, sure. whether to, to accomplish the end goal, whether you fall or not, get back up, scrape your knees, put some vaccine on it, whatever you need to do, put some dirt on it and go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you don't need to turn around, look for confirmation and do all these things and a pat on the back to saying you're doing a good job. Yeah. Right. You don't need a reward for the things you should know how to do or the things that you are know that you're good at. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I feel like our discipline in, in our culture right now is that everybody needs to be rewarded for everything. So they're not really learning any discipline. They're yeah. learning wins. Right. And wins. Yes. Wins are important, but wins are not rewards. The win is a win. That's the reward. The win doesn't come along with a reward because now my, my drive or my why has turned from this goal of being able to ride the bike to this goal of wanting that prize. I want the trophy at the end. I don't want the reason I really started it for. Yeah. And yeah. so I want the result, has, but not the process. Right? Exactly, I, want, I want the reward, right. 100%. the satisfaction, but not willing to do what it takes to get there. And so, and that right there, a lot of times I have a lot of, uh, somebody will respond that, that way that you just did and say they want the reward. And then I would also bring that up in class when we talk about discipline, as I'll say, everybody looks at my belt, they see seventh degree black belt, or they see world champion on my back. And they're like, I say, well, do you want this? And they're like, yeah, of course I want that. I want, I want what you have. I want yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And then I tell you it's this many hours a day. It's this many fails. It's losing 16 years in a row to be able to get your first world title. It's all of these things that I had to battle. You still want it? Mm. And a lot of them are like, mm, no, I don't want it. It takes me 30 years or 25 years to become a seventh degree black belt. No, I don't want that. I want it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, and, and that is not a level of discipline. That's a level of mental strength Yeah. and tenacity and will. Yep. Right. Um, and we talked about it earlier, um, in prep was grit. It's grit. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, and really getting into it and knowing that I have something on this plate that is filling my appetite. Yep. I need to finish this plate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to leave anything left behind. So so in building out the discipline, it's, it's identifying areas to improve and then making small changes. Like, instead of changing your entire diet, because people do that all the time and it's a fad and it lasts for a week or two weeks or maybe a month, but then eventually old habits start to rear their ugly head because you tried to do too much at once and it's not sustainable, choosing small things that are sustainable so that Mm -hmm. it starts as discipline. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's painful, whatever it is. But over time, I asked you this earlier. I was like, well, is it, is it hard to stay disciplined now? You went, no, because it's a habit. Right. Like that discipline that sounds intense and aggressive and maybe even a little negative, like discipline might have a negative connotation a little bit. Not, yeah. not at all. It's, it's what you do to get to where you have habits now that are second nature, where right. it just comes I mean, I naturally. started... I started when we talk about like diet and things like that. I think that's the easiest thing for people to kind of like associate with, with discipline. Sure. Yeah. And connect with, I think that like I started intermittent fasting, right. Which is pretty tough for some people. 
Yep. And I went cold, like with straight away. Like I'm always like, let's, let's just start it and go. And, um, intermittent fasting was tough, right? Like, I mean, I'm not going to eat for, you know, the first 16, like eight hours of sleeping and then another eight hours from when I wake up before I eat. And then I'm only eating for eight hours. You know, it's like, oh man, this is, this is really tough. But when I focus on what's tough, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Because what you focus on is what you get, right? If I'm on a tight wire and I don't want to fall, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall because that's what I'm focused on. Yeah. I'm focusing on getting to the other side, right? So when it comes to dieting, nobody wants to eat what they're going to have to eat because they haven't been eating that way, yeah. right? No, yeah. it's the biggest thing, right? And it's almost like a myth to the, the sense that you should even worry about your food. Your end result is not what you eat. It's about what you look like, right? So you should focus on what you want to look like every day. And then you will eat what you have to eat, yeah. right? Yeah. If you look at your body first and then you know you got to eat this because this is the body you want, you'll eat it with passion. You'll be like, man, this tastes like a hamburger, but it's chicken and broccoli, you know, whatever it is, because yeah. you know, and you have a desire for the body. People stop looking at it, right? They won't, they won't look at their body and then remember why Yeah. they'll start and give themselves a why, but then they allow the, the triggers of the food or, oh my gosh, it takes them too much time to meal prep or yeah, this sucks. I can't meal prep. This yep. sucks. Yep. This is so, and they forget they stopped worrying about the why and all they focused on were the obstacles. Yep. Yep. And when you start focusing on the obstacles, you'll hit those obstacles every time they yeah. will always be obstacles. But when you worry about everything else, it's like, it's kind of like growing inches, right? Like, so if you're standing in a crowd and you're six foot and those are all those people are there obstacles. If you grew to seven foot, now you look over everything and you just go right through them. They'll yeah. still be there. Yeah. But you'll just go right through them. They won't be, they won't stop you from seeing your goal. And then after that first week of doing it, you know, if, for me, I feel like three days, you get through three days of a good diet, hardcore, you'll see results. You'll feel better. Yep. And that's your win. What feels different about you today? Yeah. And you, yep. t- and then you list, right. And if people were to do that and just really care about themselves and put themselves first for a little bit, give themselves that me time Oof. before the we time in the family, I think that it would really benefit them, right? Every day, how do you feel? I feel really bad today. Okay, keep doing what you're doing. How do you feel today? Oh, I felt like I slept really good. There's your win, right? And then the next day, wow, I feel like f- more full of energy on my third day, right? Yep. And then you'll start to see, and when you, you're like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm gonna have a cheat day. Have that cheat day. Go ahead, have that cheat day. How do you feel? Oh man, I feel like crap. Okay. Yeah. Now you Was know. it worth it? Nah, yeah. 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 Is it worth it? Is it worth it? No. And you have to repeat that process over and over and over until it becomes habit forming. Yep. And, and obviously can this work in a negative way? hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. People can use this in a negative way. Everything that we have that we create in our lives that can be positive can also be created the same way negative. Mm. You know, that's a word so, right there. Yeah. We, we just have to be careful. We have to be careful with how we use our discipline mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. But you know, with being able, people being able to relate with, with diet, it's stop focusing on the food and how it's going to taste during that time. Because once you know what the results is going to give to you, you'll be able to start and stop a diet and change the way you look instantly. Yeah. You'll be able to back down from it, right? Yeah. You'll be able to say, you know what, I'm going to relax for like two months and I'm probably going to get out of shape and do all these things and not feel as good as I used to. But before you even get through that full month of taking a break, you're going to want to go back. Sure. Because you already know 
you've created this discipline habit in your life or behavior that your brain and your body started to create automatic reflexes and it's automatic reflexes was like, I really feel like eating something really clean tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know I'll go to bed and I'll wake up good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love nacho. I love nachos too. (laughs) (laughs) But when I wake up, I I would love to DoorDash B-dubs tonight. I have a little test. Yeah, we haven't beat up tonight. Yeah. I have a little test that in the morning when I get off, I like try to slip my my wedding ring off. And when I do that, if it doesn't move, I know like I ate bad. I don't feel good, full of sodium. Like I'm bloated. Like I know yeah. it's just a mini test. I'm just like, You're like crap, I messed up. Let me go fix yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. That's right. interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've if you've seen um a lot of his stuff, but David Goggins is like Oh, such yeah. an He's interesting, a machine, yeah, a machine, like uh, on another level, but discipline is like right. his, his lifestyle. And oh, 100%. Um, he talks about the accountability. And he's, the, he's, yeah. And he's that, that guy that has been able to take something or anything and just use his, his, his ability to feed, to take those emotions that came from it the first time and reuse them over and over and yep. everything. Yeah. He, he calls does. it the cookie jar. And yeah. he talks about when he's running an ultra marathon and he's at like mile 73 and he's like, I've got 27 more miles of this, like another full marathon to go before I finish this hundred miler. And he's like, at, in those moments, it gets dark, it gets lonely, it gets, you, you get in your head mentally, you start fighting all kinds of demons. And he talks about, you got to go back to the cookie jar, reach in yeah. there and grab a memory and, and feed off of that for a while. Remember 100%. what it felt like. I mean, Right now I'm trying to rebuild my cardio after like the winter hibernation season. And like, it sucks. It brutally sucks to run. I'm, I'm, I'm on my bike. I'll do, I'll, I've got a Peloton now, Mark. It's pretty dope. I'll, I'll do my Peloton <laughs> ride. But like, if I go out and try to run, I'm like, God, and it like hurts and I'm, and I'm pissed. But then I go, okay. But like just a few months ago, I ran 18 miles one night. So like, I know that I can do this. And I start to like fuel off of like, I know what I'm capable of. I've done it before. I can do this. And it starts to like build and, and, and add momentum. I love, I love this. Honestly, like we've got to do a part two and I, I will yeah. come up and visit soon because doing this in person would be a lot of fun um, to, to fully land the plane here and wrap up. It's, it's about realizing the things that you want to focus on focusing on the things that matter and, and making the small incremental changes to, to better yourself and, and, and realizing and falling in love with the why, like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing something that's hard? That doesn't come naturally. Nobody, I've said this before. Nobody's nobody wakes up and is like, I'm accidentally healthy. Like I just, (laughs) you know, like now I'm, now I'm a healthy, you know, mind, body, spirit type of person. No, like it takes work. It's not easy. It's hard. Um, but people master it in, in multiple facets and they do it because they have a why that's strong enough. They, they fuel off of that. They, they celebrate the wins. They let the success fuel them and push them forward. Um, and, uh, and it's something that happens when, when you build discipline into your life, they eventually become habits. And then it's like you're running on autopilot as this, this habit machine. Um, and you're a great example of it. And, and I'm just thankful that you took a lot of time tonight to, 
to jump. Well, I don't know if I'm a, I'm a great example, but uh, I'm an, I'm an example (laughs) of of discipline in the, especially in the things that my wife would say, you're disciplined in the things that you want to be disciplined at. (laughs) And it's true. And it's true for everyone. And it's true. And I, you know, balance these things, but you know, um, you also know, we didn't really touch on it today, but you know, one of the things that I'm trying to be most disciplined at right now is, um, my, my quality of life. I just got a total hip replacement on yeah. my right side. Yes. Um, all the years of, of martial arts and things I didn't do properly. Mm-hmm. My body, um, caught up with me. And so I had to do a total hip replacement, but my why with that is that I want to be able to run after my nine year old son or nine month old son. Yeah. And, um, and when he's nine and, yeah. and when he's nine, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want to be there for my wife. I want, um, you know, I don't want to be an old man, you know, for her and hobble along and not be able to do anything. But that that's created a new sense of discipline for me, too, because wow. I want to work hard at being able to to walk again. Right. Properly yep. and become become stronger and gain more strength. And eventually, obviously, I want to kick again yep. and, and be out there kicking like I used to kick yep. a long time ago. But more importantly, it's not about it's not about me. And this this decision wasn't about necessarily me in the sense of what I want in my life, but more about my quality of life I want in my life. And I think everybody's discipline, everybody's discipline should, should have a, a a kind of a, a a way of quality of life behind their why, right? That's just got to be part of that. You know, you want your quality of life to be better in your body, your health, your heart, your, your job, your, your business, your household, you know, raising your kids, whatever it may be, um, that's quality of life and discipline plays a huge part in that. And so if if people just stay consistent, start small, focus on small goals. They don't have to be, they don't have to be huge goals, just small goals to create small habits. And then eventually those will turn into an an everyday disciplined person that can continue to make good choices. You're a legend. And very yeah. powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, wh- when I hit pause on this, you're going to be astounded by how much time has gone by because this is this has been such a good conversation. Um, for those of you um, that are following along, thank you for listening. Um, if you uh, if you see this post on social media later, feel free to give Mark a follow. Shoot him a message. Um, thanks for sharing your story. I'm looking forward to doing this again, Mark. Um, yeah, I think part two will be, I think part two will be good. Yeah, it'll be good. We might have to go full Rogan on it and just let the hours pass and see what happens. <laughs> I think we should, I think we should do it. <laughs> um, well, Hey, uh, this concludes part two of our eight part series, soft skills that will change the way you lead and guys discipline sets you apart. Um, and it's something that we all can improve on and get better at. So, um, make some changes today to be a little bit more disciplined, work on the things that are tough, that are hard, but that, that, you know, are going to lead to the results you want to get and watch, watch you improve, watch the people around you improve and watch yourself become a better impactor of the culture. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, part three, episode 21 of the podcast. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog, and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company.